0: and and welcome to the AMIA Inc. third quarter 2021 results conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Thursday, November 11th, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Tom Tran, Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead
1: thank you miranda and welcome everyone to this morning's call today's presentation is available on cedar and the company's website before we get underway i would like to remind everyone to review our forward-looking statements and the cautions and risk factors pertaining to the statement with me on the call today are speakers phil middleman as ceo michael lehman our president and steve leonard our cfo phil will begin with our strategic highlights followed by michael who will cover the performance of our investments, before handing the call over to steve to take you through the results of the quarter we will have time for your questions at the end. And with that, let me hand it over to Phil.
2: Thanks, Tom. And good morning, everyone on the phone and webcast today. We'll begin with our strategic highlights for the third quarter. Our third quarter results demonstrated exciting and significant progress as we continue maximizing the value of our existing holdings while deploying capital into new investment opportunities. PLM continued to demonstrate a strong recovery in its operating performance. AMIA received a distribution of $6.3 million in the third quarter, bringing the total distributions from PLM to $21.4 million on a year-to-date basis. As we announced in October, in conjunction with the recent disclosures made in the bankruptcy proceedings of Aeromexico relating to PLM, AMIA confirms that it is in discussions with Aeromexico for a potential transaction to divest our 48.9% equity stake in PLM. These discussions continue to advance, and we look forward to providing an update at the appropriate time. Cognitive continues to develop a strong pipeline of new, prospective clients to onboard to their collaborative commerce platform under the leadership team led by Sean Pearson, who was recently named Chief Executive Officer, in addition to his role as President of Cognitive. At Clear Media, the planned privatization of the business was completed, led by a blue-chip consortium investors comprised of Clear Media's current CEO, as well as J.C. Deco, and Financial, and the China Wealth Growth Fund. We are very excited about Clear Media's prospects. Members of the consortium, such as J.C. Decoe, the world's largest out-of-home advertising company, are also leaders in the digitization of outdoor advertising street furniture. We expect Clear Media's management team to execute on its growth-oriented plan to expand its digital footprint amongst its 61,000 commercial panels with the goal of attracting new, higher-margin advertising revenue streams and clientele. With less than 1% of its panels currently digitized, we believe there remains a significant runway for digital penetration over the coming years. Moving to our investment in AirAsia, we are very pleased to see AirAsia resume its domestic travel and the government's plan to start reopening their borders as the region moves away from its zero-COVID strategy. Additionally, it has announced its transformation from an airline into a digital travel and lifestyle services holding company. AMIA owns an equity stake of over 3% of AirAsia. Which was acquired from the sale of our previous holding in the Big Life loyalty program to AirAsia and additional shares acquired through a private placement. AirAsia's share price has performed well and was up 18% in the third quarter and continued to climb higher after the country announced measures that lifted travel restrictions on interstate and international travel in Malaysia. AirAsia also recently announced a reorganization into a holding company to separate its core airline business from its portfolio of digital assets in which we see significant upside potential in companies such as BigPay, one of the fastest-growing fintech companies in Southeast Asia. BigPay recently secured up to U.S. $100 million in financing from South Korean conglomerate SK Group. According to a recent Credit Suisse report, AirAsia's portfolio of digital businesses achieved unicorn status with a combined valuation of over U.S. $1 billion. AirAsia continues to raise new capital from various sources, and we believe that AirAsia will emerge from the pandemic as a stronger airline and holding company, uniquely positioned to capitalize on the sizable pent-up demand for low-cost air travel across Southeast Asia, while enhancing the value of its digital assets. Moving to our new investments. AMIA invested 44 million Canadian as the lead investor of the most recent funding round for TradeX, an innovative solutions provider to the global pre-owned car industry through its B2B cross-border automotive trading platform, at a pre-money valuation of U.S. $250 million. AMIA's current equity ownership stake in TradeX is 12.3%. TradeX continues to commercialize its core product with major automotive customers and continues, continues to exhibit rapid growth and profitability as it expands its reach globally to Europe, Africa, South America, and China, amongst others. After having generated $74 million in gross vehicle sales in the first half of this year, Tradex generated gross vehicle sales of $87 million in the third quarter alone, and positive EBITDA. With recent sales volume activity demonstrating strong momentum, we expect Tradex to continue to grow its business at a rapid rate. The addressable market for exporting used cars is immense and is estimated to be approximately US 100 billion annually. We believe Tradex is poised to capture a meaningful share of this global trading volume by automating and streamlining global vehicle commerce through its highly scalable AI-powered digital platform. The company is actively pursuing a robust pipeline of accretive acquisition targets, including its recently closed acquisition of TechLanic in September. We believe TradeX represents an outstanding opportunity in a business with tremendous growth prospects as it scales its platform and expands its geographical footprint, and we look forward to sharing more positive developments over the coming quarters. Moving to our new investment in a second special-purpose vehicle, in November 2020, AMI announced an initial commitment of $6.4 million to a special purpose vehicle created to pursue a leveraged buyout of a target. As of September 30, 2021, the fair value of this special purpose vehicle increased to $8.1 million. Following the early success of this investment, in November the company made a new investment of $12.4 million in a second special purpose vehicle, which was created to pursue a similar buyout strategy. Subsequent to the end of the quarter, we realized a tax shelter gain of $9.7 million from the sale of our entire stake in Newmark, representing a return on investment of 107%. Finally, as discussed previously, in 2020, we rapidly cut costs and right-sized our corporate expenses and achieved cash flow break-even at the holding company with cash operating expenses, preferred dividends, and taxes covered by PLM dividends and other investment activities. For 2021, Inclusive of PLM dividends and cash gains on the sale of J.C. Deco and Newmark, we expect to be cash flow positive at the whole co-level. And with that, let me turn the floor over to Mike to provide you some further updates on our holdings. Mike?
3: Thanks, Phil, and good morning to everyone. We'll begin our discussion with PLM where I'll be speaking to the operating performance in USD, which is PLM's functional currency. PLM's operating metrics continue to trend positively as the member base grew 6%. Over last year to 7.3 million enrolled members in the third quarter. Gross billings were 49.6 million in the third quarter, up 89% over last year, and up 12% over last quarter as the travel industry continues to demonstrate signs of recovery. During the quarter, gross billings rebounded to roughly 70% of the billings generated during the third quarter of 2019. We expect the travel industry to continue recovering as regions such as North and South America, Asia and Europe, opened their borders to fully vaccinated travelers. Revenues were 45.4 million in the third quarter, up 68% over last year. Adjusted EBITDA was 14 million in the quarter, up 37% over last year, and up 13% over last quarter. Further, free cash flow was a positive 23.6 million, an increase of 17.4 million compared to the same period in the prior year. The improvement was mainly driven by higher gross billings. Moving on to cognitive. For the quarter, revenues from continuing operations were $14 million, an improvement of $1 million over last quarter. Adjusted EBITDA from continuing operations was a loss of $8.5 million, an improvement of $3.5 million over last quarter, partly due to a one-time benefit of the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy as well as cognitive's continued focus on cost efficiency. Cognitive is making great strides on the commercialization of its business as it transitions towards a higher-margin, subscription-based, platform-as-a-service offering. Cognitive also continues to attract top talent to further advance its collaborative, collaborative commerce product offering. The company is executing its cost synergy plan in order to further align with its new business following the sale of the ISS business to IRI which represented approximately 20 million in annual sales in 2020. Cognitive's profitability has been delayed due to the sale of ISS and its focus on investing in the development of its collaborative commerce platform to deliver against its growth plans. Based on Cognitive's business plan, revenue growth is forecasted to significantly improve in 2022 and reach adjusted EBITDA profitability by 2023. Moving on to our investment management business. Revenue for the quarter from investment management fees were approximately $700,000 and earnings were a positive $100,000. Assets under management were $199.8 million in the third quarter, a decline of 1% year on year. And finally, moving on to Clear Media. As expected, the planned privatization of Clear Media was completed following the acquisition of all of the outstanding shares of Clear Media on September 27th. The listing of shares of Clear Media was withdrawn from the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and AMIA now owns a 10.85% indirect stake in privatized Clear Media. JC Deco, a member of the consortium, recently reported in their quarterly results that outdoor advertising activity in China is almost back to pre COVID levels. In Clear Media's 2021 interim report, the company indicated that the group's total revenue for the six months ended. June 30th, 2021, increased by 74% year-on-year, which represented 86% of the revenue generated during the third quarter of 2019. Clear Media maintained its positive outlook as it continues to project materially higher revenues in 2021 compared to 2020. We're very excited about Clear Media's prospects. And with that, let me turn it over to Steve to take you through some financial results. Steve?
4: Thanks, Mike, and good morning to everyone. Let's begin by covering the consolidated results before we move to the segment performance and cash movements in the quarter. In the third quarter, total income was $7 million, mostly due to the fair value change of $6.3 million in AirAsia, and reported expenses were $3.1 million, down $5.7 million from the $8.8 million in the same quarter of last year, driven by a decrease in compensation and benefit expenses related to the share-based compensation and other performance awards, which were lower by 2.7 million year on year. Within the holding segment, total income was 6.5 million, up from negative 1.5 million in the same quarter last year. Total expenses were 2.7 million in the third quarter of 2021, down from 8.3 million in the same quarter last year. Within total expenses, corporate operating expenses, which includes compensation, professional and advisory fees, as well as technology and other office expenses, were $3.5 million in the quarter, down from $5.5 million in the same period last year, due to the decrease in share-based compensation and other performance awards, as previously mentioned. Excluding share-based compensation and other performance awards, corporate cash operating costs were $3.7 million in the quarter, compared to $3 million in the same period last year, as a result of expense phasing. Year-to-date, through September, corporate cash operating costs were 11.2 million, and we remain on tra- track to achieve our target annualized whole call cash operating expenses of around 14 million for 2021. Moving on to cover the major cash movements for the quarter. We ended the third quarter with total cash, excluding liquid investments of 70.1 million. Including liquid investments, total cash ended at 136 million main movements in cash this quarter, compared to last quarter, were a $6.3 million distribution received from PLM, a $44 million investment in Tradex, we paid preferred dividends at $3.1 million and related Part 6 tax of $1.3 million. we made a $2.5 million investment in an externally managed investment fund, and corporate cash operating costs were $3.7 million. Subsequent to the end of the quarter, including net proceeds of $18.7 million from the sale of our investment in Newmark and a $12.4 million investment in a new special-purpose vehicle, AMIA's pro-forma cash plus liquid investments totaled $124.2 million. And with that, let me turn it now over to Phil to wrap up with a few concluding remarks.
2: Thanks, Steve. This is an exciting time to be a shareholder of AMIA. AMIA has been successfully transformed into a lean, opportunistic holding company with an exciting portfolio of assets, including our new investment in trade acts. Our discussions with Aeromexico continue to advance, and we look forward to providing an update at the appropriate time. AMIA's prospects have never been brighter, and we continue to work tirelessly to deliver strong returns to our stakeholders. Operator, that concludes today's prepared remarks. Please go ahead and prompt the questions.
0: Thank you ladies and gentlemen. We will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by the number one on your touch tone phone. You will hear a three tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by the number two. If you're using a speaker phone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question your first question will be coming from Brian Morrison from TD Securities. Please go ahead.
1: Um, Either Phil or or Mike, I just appreciate you're not going to talk about an update on PLM, but maybe you can just talk about an update on the tax consequences before you've said that it could be potentially done on a tax-efficient basis. Can you maybe just update us on what that would, would entail?
2: Sure, Brian. Hey, Brian, it's Phil. I'm going to actually hand that to Steve. Our, our, our tax expert, but go ahead, Steve. Hi, Brian.
4: Uh, yeah, we we hold uh, we hold the investment through UK Hold holdco structure, and uh, you know we we when we originally designed the structure, we did so you know with a future view down the road of mm-hmm. exiting potentially uh, tax efficiently. You know, we haven't disclosed the details, but we can assure you that uh, upon a transaction, we would do so.
1: In a very tax-efficient manner. Okay, I guess the exciting thing from the quarter I, that, that I take away here is is really trade X and and the volumes that you provided. Obviously, I, I think it's benefiting from the current auto shortage. But with with that in mind, can you maybe just talk to us about you know what kind of growth you have, what kind of visibility you have into the rapid growth? Um, you know, the path to monetization here. I assume it might be an IPO, but maybe just the um you know the current situation and um acquisition outlook and path to monetization if you could. Sure.
2: Yeah TradeX is a, a very exciting investment. Um probably in my career one of the most exciting I've, I've come across. We um you know when we first you know in terms of the growth opportunities, when we first learned about TradeX, it was you know it's a relatively new company. And we saw that they were doing business with this this group of blue chip partners that was just, it was almost unbelievable that these companies would work with such an early stage company. And we, we called those companies and we said, you know, why are you doing business with this effectively a startup when you guys are the, the leaders in the industry? And the response was, these guys do it better, more efficiently than anyone we know. They're getting us better prices, better product, and we love them. And so that's really how we started that relationship. And in terms of the... The growth opportunities—they're—they're they're really limitless. We have, um, you know, Tradex is trading in, in what you've seen in the used car business. And I think the—the the heightened um, uh, interest in the used car business came from obviously the shortage in new cars. So, but that's forced people to search for used cars in other areas, in other geographies, and that's what Tradex does. I mean, they're not just—they're expanding into other um, uh, trade corridors. For example, in the last month alone. TradeX traded cars from China to Europe, from Chicago to Nigeria, from China to Mexico, from Canada to Nigeria, and from Japan to Kenya. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 incredible what um, and and the economics of these transactions are incredible. So to be profitable almost from incep- inception, growing at the rate they're growing, <clears throat> with the partners that they have, um, it's an incredibly exciting opportunity. So so the. There's, you know, we have to, you know, if a good problem is, or the, the we're managing the growth. You know, that's really our focus. Is it? you know, you can almost grow too fast. So, so we're we're managing that growth. We're we have uh we have attracted a, a great group, a great management team, um, great partners, and so far it's it's uh, incredibly exciting in terms of potential monetization. You've seen, you know, you can obviously see there are, you know, there's no pure play comp really for them. I think the closest one out there is probably Auto One. But mm-hmm. if you look at the multiples these things get, obviously they're they're tremendous. So, you know, we, we had an opportunity to get into this at a, a very low valuation and we're very happy with it. And I think that the in terms of monetization, I think it's you know, we're we're valuing opportunities as they come and, you know, we will uh let you know when we decide what our next move is. Okay, and I guess just to follow up on that, I, I, I guess does the current auto shortage situation, does that
1: maybe pull forward in monetization event?
2: You know, the the, the auto shortage, this is a volume. You know, Tradex makes more money when they have more volume. Um, so prices help because you're getting a percentage of the, the price as a fee, but volume is more important. So I think that the auto shortage you know, in some people's perception is like, wow, that's why these businesses are doing so well. But in reality, I think it's just kind of raised the awareness of of, of the opportunity set out there. And obviously the, the used car market is has, there's a lot of obviously heightened interest in it. But it's like I, I would say like the first time you used eBay, you didn't know you could, you know, buy something at an auction online and then you've used it ever since and that's kind of what's happening here is people are discovering wow I can I can sell parts in Nigeria and not know that I can get a better price going to Kenya I can do that and so so you know I think the shortage you know we look forward to the shortage going away we look forward to the volume increasing and we look forward to prices dropping because I think that's going to help these businesses get more supply <coughs> and have more transactions so I wouldn't see direct correlation between the shortage and an event I just think it's you know it's heightened the interest in this sector all right. so Brian, just all these. a couple yeah, just ahead. a couple um comments
3: just a couple comments on on used car pricing so what what's interesting is is um you know as price we expect prices to normalize right because everybody know knows that that pricing used car pricing is is uh is up and and it's driving inflation partially driving inflation due to the supply bottleneck but um what's likely going to occur is there's going to be a de bottlenecking of the new car supply chain. And, and as greater access of new cars increases the global supply of, new, of used cars, because if you want to buy a, a, a new car, you're going to sell your current car, right? So, so it's very circular. So the greater access to new cars is increasing the global supply of used cars. And Tradex benefits primarily from, the, from unit volume, right? So net-net, so this is going to be a huge positive for us. Because because there there is there is a pent up demand for uh, for new cars and and as that as that uh, surfaces uh, the used car market should um, substantially increase and and as that supply if you think about that as that supply uh, dramatically increases the market's going to need a mechanism to clear that supply and and that's what that's what Tradex does. You know they're the matchmaker, by matching buyers and sellers, and generating a commission in the middle. Um, and and the logistics aspect is is part of their moat, right? Being able to solve for the cross border complexities, which, which most auto companies can't do. Focusing on the compliance, the regulations, vehicle inspections, currency payments, financing—all of those things are difficulties, right? And 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 most car companies decide not to try to bridge that gap and TradeX is solving that for them. That that's the that's a huge positive here.
2: Yeah, I think Brian, you know, we they said that less than one percent or one and a half percent of the uh dealers in the US knew how to transact cross border just to Canada, let alone to Nigeria or any of these other places. And when you go to you know, Tradex has this this proprietary AI powered brain technology that backs their backs up their platform. And when you go there, you 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 know you put your car in there and you say, or, or let's say I'm interested in buying, or let's say I'm, I want to sell my my uh, Toyota Tercel to Canada. They're going to say to you, you know, we can push a button here and we'll sell it to you to Canada for seventeen thousand dollars, and it'll be done in within you know twenty days. Or you could sell it to Nigeria for thirty-four thousand dollars, and it's going to take ninety days, and you have to put a higher deposit up. But it's up to you, and you'll get these options that you never knew existed before and all the complexities and the logistics of going to these other countries has been is being handled by TradeX including currency hedging so these opportunities are are vast and when you just look at China alone you know there is a gigantic amount of vehicles in China that can be exported that that are going to be hopefully flowing through TradeX so these are things that that didn't exist before they're creating markets And people don't know how to do it, don't want to know how to do it, including the leaders in the industry. Some biggest used car sellers that you can imagine in this world are using TradeX to sell their vehicles. It's really exciting.
1: Yeah, no, I, I take that. Okay, I appreciate the update on all the progression, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Brian.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by the number one. Your next question would be coming from Hamza Mazzari from Jeffries. Please go ahead.
5: Hey, good morning, guys. It's Actually, Ryan Gunning on for Hamza. Um, just my first question. Good morning. First question on, uh, good morning. Um, on my first question. I know you guys are pretty restricted in what you can say about PLM, but is there any color you can provide on potential timing of the potential transaction?
2: Hey, Ryan. So you know we can't comment on on that specifically. I would just say that. Um, currently, uh, and these dates move around all the time. Obviously, currently they are uh, the, scheduled to, to have a confirmation hearing in December to hopefully emerge from bankruptcy. So that's that's the only kind of timeline I can give you. I'm not, I can't comment specifically on on a potential transaction that we might have with PLM, but that's kind of the directional target for the bankruptcy to end.
5: Got it. Thank you. That's helpful. Um, and then. On TradeX, it sounds like a pretty exciting opportunity. So, is there potential to maybe maybe take that stake up from the
2: 12.3%? You know, we're we're very excited about the investment, and like all our investments, we we're always evaluating opportunities like that. And if we elect to do so, we will we'll let you know.
5: Great, thank you. And my last question, just on, on Clear Media, um, I know it's approaching uh, pre-pandemic revenue, but has the outlook on the business changed at all in light of recent slowing of China's economy? And is there any kind of update on the digitalization process being made there?
2: You know, we we just completed the privatization of this business. And so we're still figuring out the the information flow that we can disclose to the public and what we cannot and can't, can and can't say from them. So that'll be ironed out in the near future. And we'll know more about what we can say and we can't say. I would say that you know we remain very excited about the prospects. We paid a very low valuation for the shares. Um, we think that the uh, upside is is tremendous. We love the partners there. We think that the the you know the fears of of you know government intervention, like you've seen in in some of the other companies, we we hope are and are optimistic that they will not affect Clear Media. Just based on the type of business that Clear Media is, and and the partner group involved. So, so we'll we'll give you more information as soon as we have it, and we are uh, um, we want to obviously keep our shareholders as updated as possible. So we're we're, we're working to get that um, those those mechanics in place, and we'll let you know more information as soon as we can.
1: Got it. Very helpful. Thanks, Phil. That's it for me. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan.
0: There are no further questions at this time, so I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Tom Tran. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, everyone, for joining today's call and webcast. If you have any questions, please reach out to Investor Relations.
0: That would conclude your conference for today. We'd like to thank you for participating, and we now suggest that you disconnect your lines. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.